Hello, welcome into the Inside OSU podcast. I'm Robin Hearn. Every college student has questions about financial aid. Probably filling out the federal application for federal student aid or FAFSA is a critical step for maximizing your scholarship and financial aid eligibility. This is where a lot of questions pop up. How should we fill it out? When should we fill it out? And many more. I had the chance to sit down with the Director of Scholarships and Financial Aid here at Oklahoma State, Chad Blue, to get answers to those burning financial aid questions. Chad went into detail about why it's important to fill out the FAFSA, important dates incoming and current students should have circled on their calendars, and even some advice for your parents. Let's not waste any more time and get those questions answered. Do students need to complete the FAFSA every year? If so, what can they do to prepare for the FAFSA? Yes, yeah, so it's always a good idea to do it every year. You just never know what's going to happen. So even if you know that you're really only going to qualify for loans, but that you know you don't want loans, we say go ahead and do it because if something comes up during the year and you suddenly need to avail yourself of that to have the process already done, it's, it's just much easier to be there waiting for you. You know, also a lot of people have an often mistaken idea that, uh, well, I make too much money. I'm not going to qualify for anything on the FAFSA. Well, A, everybody qualifies for the same amount of loans regardless if you, you know, make X or you make $12 million a year. But also, so when you do the FAFSA, the federal formula uh, determines what your expected family contribution should be. And as long as that expected family contribution is below the cost of attendance at your university, then you can be defined as having quote unquote need, financial need. It doesn't have to be a huge amount of need, but even just a little amount of need can help you qualify for more scholarships. Uh, We have a lot of scholarships that require need. Not all scholarships do, but some do. So do the FAFSA, your expected family contributions lower than the cost of attendance, then uh, you can, when we award scholarships that require need, the donor says the student must have need, uh, we can put you in that pool. So it just, you maximize your, your opportunities for, for uh, all kinds of aid. It's much easier to do the FAFSA these days. Uh, it takes probably less than an hour. It's online. Um, the feds rolled out a, a very handy feature some years ago called the uh, IRS data retrieval tool where instead of having to get your taxes in front of you and enter all the information, when you get to that part in the FAFSA, you click a button and it pulls all the data from the IRS database right, the Department of Education database, which is insane. It took 30-something years for the two federal departments to say, hey, we should share some information with each other. But it's made the whole process much easier for families. No, it has. I mean, I'm an out-of-state student, so I understand all of that and going through the IRS thing with my dad because he had to fill it out for me every single year. But now that makes it a whole lot easier. I'm a student. Sometimes Uh I forget about the FAFSA. When does the FAFSA come out exactly? Well, that's another great change the feds have done. I'm sorry, I keep saying the feds, but the Department of Education. So it used to be January 1st, it would come out for the next year's academic year. But uh, gosh, three or four years ago, they moved it up. So now it's October 1st. So October, for this coming October 1st, you'll do the FAFSA for the next academic year. And when they did that, they also instituted what they called prior prior year on your tax information. So instead of having to do it, it being last year's tax information, it's now from two years ago, which is really helpful to a lot of families because sometimes we'd have, a lot of times we have families who had, had not filed their taxes from the previous year, they had an extension, things like that. But now almost everyone has their taxes done from two years ago. Yeah, when you do October 1st, it'll open. You'll use your tax information from the 2018 tax year. It just made it much, much easier. So it's coming up. 
Well, that's quickly approaching. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I think people should set like a little reminder in their planner every year to do that. I mean, I would do that if I were them. Uh, So why do you encourage everyone to do the FAFSA and why is it important to do it early, especially at that October 1st uh, opening? Well, you know, something I'd mentioned before is a lot of people have this expectation they don't qualify for aid when really they do. So it's worth doing also to avail yourself of all possible opportunities. So if you have a little bit of financial need, and as I said, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of financial need, that you do the FAFSA, that's how we know you do, and it'll, it'll make you eligible for it to be considered for more scholarships. Doing it early, so there are some forms of federal aid that, you know, for Pell Grants and loans, if you qualify, you qualify, regardless of when you do it. But then there's other other uh, aid programs they call campus-based where the Department of Education just gives each school X amount of dollars and when that's gone it's gone so it's a first come first serve basis on those so the earlier you do it the better chance you have to get things like work study and there's a specific kind of of loan also that uh, is campus-based so um, yeah just the and then just to get everything done and out of the way so you can you know what your aid is and you can start to budget for the next year and plan Right, exactly. So what are some common mistakes you see students make when they fill out their FAFSA that can hold up their financial aid each year? Well, uh, one big thing is missing signatures. So when you do the FAFSA, you sign off using what they call your FSA ID, which is just your kind of your your ID with with the Department of Education. A big thing that we see is that for students that are required to put their parent information on the FAFSA, then the parent also needs to sign using their FSA ID. And we get a lot of where the, they complete the FAFSA, the student does their signature, but then the parent does not do their signature. So that's a big one. Incorrect social security numbers, that can be something that's easy to do, but it can be hard for us to correct. So that's a big one. Missing information about a step parent. We get a lot of students that don't realize if the step parent is in your household, then that, their, that parent needs to be included in the information of whichever household you're using for your FAFSA information. And then a real big one is when you submit your FAFSA, if you're selected for what's called verification, um, which is uh, doesn't mean you've done anything wrong, but the, the Department of Education uh, tags a certain amount of students, put them in verification, which means we have to request additional documents to just look for errors. And if there are errors, then we just correct them and move on. It's not a huge deal. But what trips students up is that they don't check their email, they don't check their student portal, and they don't realize we requested documents a- until the first person our bill comes down they realize they don't have any aid and they wonder why so that's a big one i did not know about the step parents thing i mean my parents are still yes. married but i have a lot of friends whose parents are like divorced and now they're remarried i did not know that yes yeah, so when you do the fafsa if you're a, a student who must re- include your, your parental information then um, the first test is the parent with whom you lived the most the prior year and then that household will then be your your, the information you include, and if yes, if your if your parent is remarried, then the step parent in that household has to have, include their information as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good information to know. Speaking of parents, mm-hmm. uh, what would you tell parents when they are filling out their Parent Plus loan, and how does that actually work? Well, I'm glad you asked that because that can be a little confusing for for people because the student loan is is pretty easy. Um, well, the parent loan is easier too, but it's not as easy. So on the the student loan, you do the FAFSA, you get the award from us, offer it, you, I'm sorry, the offer is on your student portal, you accept it, and you do the master promissory note and the entrance counseling, and then it, it pays. For the parent loan, the parent gets the offer from us, but then they actually have to go to a different web, website, studentloans.gov, 
and do another application there because with the parent loan, they actually have to have a credit check. So they go on and they do the application on, on studentloans.gov, which on our portal where our offer is, it explains all this and it's a link that'll take them there. But um, it can be confusing because there's that extra step for them. Now the good news is when they do that uh, on the Department of Education site, they'll know immediately if they've been approved or not. Um, the last step for them is a master promissory note, which will notify them of later that they can do it. But when they're on there, as soon as they get the approval, uh, they can go ahead and do it as long as they're on there and just have that done and the whole process will be ready. That's good to know. I mean, it a is. lot of parents yeah. would tend to forget that yeah. just like sometimes students can forget to do yeah. the BASFA. Now the parent loan, just like the student loan does pay the same way. It pays the student's bursar account, takes care of any charges that are on there and if there's anything left over, it goes to either the parent or the student, however they have it set up. So what are some important things that current students should know about the financial aid process? Well, a big one that a lot of students are learning right now is we always say, get all of your stuff to us. If you get your stuff to us by, by July 1st, then you're, we can guarantee that your aid will be ready for the fall. If you don't submit the FAFSA until after July 1st or you don't get your documents that we've asked for verification to us after July 1st, then we'll do our best. Is there such a crush of documents that come in at this point? So get everything in by July 1st so you, you aren't where some students are right now where we're trying to get it done so they can get their, their bursar bill paid because we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of documents in every day in August. So it's, a, it's, a, it's difficult. So yeah, get that done as soon as you can, jump on it. Something else for continuing students for scholarships for our office, which we do all the general scholarships on campus, there's no application that you need to do. Again, do the FAFSA so you can, if you have a need, you can be included in all the scholarships. But as far as straight scholarships, there's no application. Our program just go out and find students to match them up with scholarships. But the colleges each have their own scholarships and they do have an application. And you, typically those applications are up in December. Uh, and they're usually due by mid-January or February 1st for the next year. So yeah, each year do your, do your FAFSA in October and then make sure and do your college scholarship application in December. So what are some important tips for incoming freshmen to know? A big one for incoming freshmen is uh, we have what we call a priority deadline of November 1st. If you get your FAFSA to us and all your information to be considered for a scholarship, which for incoming students at your admission application, including the scholarship part where there's there's uh, leadership activities, community involvement, and essay questions, and uh, get your transcript to us and your test scores. Get all that to us by November 1st, then we will include you in our big uh, awarding run that's early, usually the first week of December. So then uh, before Christmas break even hits, you will know probably 90% of what your aid will be at OSU, and you can start to help you start to make decisions in the budget for the next year. Well, that's really good. I mean, no. they all have like, what, six to nine months almost until time to go into school? Yeah, typically May 1st is is when students need to make a decision by. So that gives them quite a bit of time to uh, make an informed decision, weigh different offers, and look at what the bottom line will be. And that is something else that we really try to hammer home with prospective students is come talk to us, talk to admissions get the details on what the costs are going to be and then get the aid and we have worksheets that can help you do this and see what your bottom line costs are going to be in budget accordingly. It's unfortunate every year at new student orientation, all the different new student orientation sessions they have, almost everyone we end up with a family in our office who has just now begun to consider the costs and they're trying to figure things out and now it's 
pretty late in the game. So the earlier you can figure that out, the better. What are some things that could cause students financially to change each year, and why does that matter? Um, there's a lot of things that can cause cause you to change. I'm really glad you asked that because something we, we always want to mention is, of course, a biggie can be the family's financial situation, uh, loss of a job, uh, medical expenses, things like that. The good news is, in a bad situation, is if something happens like that, then come talk to us because we... I mean, it's a prescribed process that the the federal government gives us, but we can look at your situation and if what's on your FAFSA is no longer indicative of your financial situation because of changes that have happened, because remember that's a tax year from two years ago, then we can look at it, we can make changes and perhaps adjust your aid. So if there's ever any major financial change or life change in your family, please come talk to us. In terms of what can make the FAFSA itself change from year to year, of course, financial changes. Um, Some things that can quote unquote help you that can drive down your expected family contribution or if another student goes to school so that the government takes that into account. So if there's a family of four and one person's in school, then the next year the second student goes to school, then they, they lower the expected family contribution because they know that's a much higher financial burden at that point. We're required to take into account other aid that you have. So if you get higher or lower amount of scholarships from OSU or from outside sources, that could affect your federal aid from year to year. We always encourage any student that has any financial difficulty, uh, come talk to us because sometimes we have options. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys have a lot of options mm-hmm. from like the Pell Grant, like you mentioned, the work study, yeah. that and also mm-hmm. other scholarships that are available. Mm-hmm. I have taken out loans and a lot of my friends have taken out loans. What um, would you say to students that don't want to take out loans to yeah. pay for school? Well, the foundational attitude is is correct. Yes. I mean, if you do not need to borrow, do not borrow because, you know, sometimes we see students that are taking, you know, lifestyle loans and, and using educational loans to fund other things. We also see students who are in our office who are at the brink of leaving school because they, they think they can't afford it and they're refusing to take loans, which if you're at the point, I mean, don't borrow if you don't need to, but if you need to, then it's a valuable tool uh, and it's uh, it pays for itself exponentially. So at OSU, about half the students borrow during their undergrad um, career. Of the students that borrow at OSU, at graduation, the average debt load is 20750 which is well below the national average. Now, of course, there's all kinds of repayment options that they give you, but the average repayment on a debt load of that size will be maybe about $220 a month. So manageable. Borrowing to complete your degree is going to be a much better financial decision than not borrowing and not achieving your degree. Be wary of loans, definitely, and don't do not do them unless you need them. Okay, well, thank you for sitting down with me, Chad, and giving us more information well, about the you. FAFSA. It's good for us to know, and yeah. I know that the students that listen to this will definitely be very thankful that we sat down today. Well, I will just leave you with... Please contact our office anytime you have questions at all. Um, email us, call us, or come in. Uh, we have professional counselors that, that are there for the, at the walk-in counter and that answer emails and phone calls. For incoming freshmen, the First or Success office is also a great resource. They also do financial counseling. And then I'll just also say, you know, make sure as a, as a prospective or incoming student to avail yourself of there's academic support, uh, there's counseling for life support. So there's all kinds of, of uh, resources for you to OSU.
I would like to thank Chad for taking the time to sit down with me and giving us a glimpse at what the staff at the Office of Scholarships and Financial Aid do each year to help OSU students attend school. That's all for me today. Thank you for listening to the Inside OSU podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I'm Robin Hearn. Thanks for listening.